We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How you doing tonight, Ivy Nation Sports Talk? Up and rolling, Vince D'Addario with Vince D'Addario, Sean Styers. Vince looks like he needs a, a sweatshirt or something. I should have thrown on some long sleeves because apparently my basement didn't get the memo that, you know, the heat actually works. It's freezing down here, man. Heat rises. Heat oh. rises. <laughs> it's national championship game night. Yeah, baby. And uh, I just got a text from Brian. They yep. are doing a live show during the national championship game over on the college football nation channel. They're going to be over there tonight. If you want the link, you can go to Brian's Twitter account, Brian Driscoll, of course, and, uh, and do that little live game watch tonight on the college football nation channel. I'll pretty much be going straight from here to there. Are you? Yep. Yep. Where I, I have to, you know, pick up the whole thing and move it to the TV room. So I'll be where I we did the live we did the live watch show uh, for the Notre Dame game uh, I believe it was the stay no the USC game right and That's I right. had to move the whole the whole shenanigan to the other room that way I could watch it on a TV because I I refused to watch a good football game on a computer screen I had to watch it on my yeah. TV yeah gotta have know. a real TV yeah I can't do the whole TV you know that I can't do that yeah the sad USC game. Says Zach Martin. Yes, it was very sad, but I was also informed today because apparently I'm not on the message board enough to know this. But somebody decided to make a a gif, a gif of me and Brian and Ryan cheering like a Notre Dame touchdown. So like anytime there's good news on the board, apparently somebody puts that up. We're all like, Rah! you know. <laughs> I didn't know that that was a thing, and Brian's like, "Oh yeah, it's on the board." I'm like, "I didn't oh. know that was a thing either." I found it. And, I've been uh, on there more often lately. I had funny. no idea. That's that sounds funny. hilarious. I need to see that. I'll have to try to find it for you. But uh, so yeah, maybe we'll get. We can one. we can import that into the show, and like when good things happen here, we can like, throw up the yeah, throw up the like cheer. Right. Hit the like button if you would. Subscribe, rate, and review. Come on, it's national championship night. Let's Hit the go. Like. Get us get us going. My. Uh, I got this call from my wife this Uh-oh. afternoon, and it's it. I, I'm sure your wife, from time to time, just does something that makes you shake your head. You know, want to pull your hair out, 
you know, I don't have much hair to pull out, but never. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh my gosh. Today was one of these, one of those days. Um, <laughs> she, you know, she's a home health nurse, mm -hmm. so she drives. And of course she doesn't have a company car, but because they don't have company cars for the company she works for, oh, even okay. though it's a home health care place. She used to have one. Means, That's okay. Yeah, different place that she worked for, which means they, you know, she has to go out driving around all over the place in her own vehicle. She's driving down some back road oh, down no. by Plymouth south of here and boom right into a pothole oh, no. and the the so the tire blew and I guess the wheel bent and all this different oh. stuff and you know they're brand new tires and this and that and everything else the tote so the van had to be you know so one it was the van you know our minivan which yeah you know, my daughter's chair goes into and all this yeah. different stuff. And she was, of course, at a little, you know, day function today. So the chair has to stay there for the rest of the week while we wait for the, oh, no. the wheel. Because they had to order a wheel. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And so in the meantime, the van is down in Plymouth, you know, which is 20 miles south of here. And she got a rental car and all this different <sighs> stuff. And it's like, if there is, I, you know. Again, I don't know about you and your driving, but like if there is a wide open road and there is a pothole, one pothole in the middle of it, my <laughs> wife will find She's a way to it. drive right into the pothole. She's going to find and, it. Yes. <laughs> so that's what happened today, it sounds like. Oh, that sounds horrible. Has <laughs> she not even made it home yet from that whole No, she's here. Debacle. This happened in the middle of the afternoon. Unfortunately, <sighs> she was able to get towed. And then, I don't know, I guess there's a car rental place down there in Plymouth. And she rented a okay. car down there. And Well, that's know, actually helpful. The whole thing. Yeah. The problem for you guys is a rental car does not meet the needs that you have no. on a daily basis. <laughs> that's, exactly. that's the issue with the rental car. So that's kind of how the day began. Oh man! And you know, other than that, everyone's okay. Yeah. Fortunately. <laughs> well, I'm uh, glad nobody was hurt because we can yes. laugh about it. But yeah, I I actually we had a we had my my wife had to take the car in for a little body work. I won't I won't disclose as to uh -oh. what happened there. Uh, but I'll just say I don't drive her car. And they called and they're like, "Hey, there's a big dent in the hood." Looks like somebody like pounded on your hood. Would you like us to fix that too? So you know where the, the blame went on that. <laughs> like, like you're just out there pounding on the hood. Yeah. Like, do you realize, like, I am smart. She's like, but you have a temper. Yes, that is true. But I'm not going to do something that's going to cost me money. Right. In the long run. Right. Go ahead and get it fixed. Tend not to punch my own vehicles <laughs> right. and cause damage to them. Correct. <laughs> yes. So I All understand right. where you're coming from, my friend. Yes. You know, you know who's got a name, you know, of a guy who could uh, squash a car in a mm. single bound oh. is Michael Stonebreaker. Yeah. The uh, new college football Hall of Famer, as Salty says, is Michael Stonebreaker the best football name ever for a linebacker? And I've said that for... 30 some years now. Yep. It's like there's never been a better name for a linebacker than Stonebreaker. None. Like that is one of the best football names ever and the fact that he was a linebacker makes it even better. You know, it it feels like, you know, somebody with a name like Stonebreaker would end up being like a kicker. Like it wouldn't even like work. But no, he was a linebacker. He's literally 
you know, bone breaker would have been the next best name. Basically, you know, if you're a linebacker playing football, like that, that is the best name. I remember when I was a kid and he was playing at Notre Dame, I was like, this is the best name ever. It is. This is, and not only that, he's a really good football player, which is yeah. why he's in the college football hall of fame. Now we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Two-time All-American, yeah. Michael Stonebreaker, as a matter of fact. And, you know, he was, a, of course, a, a you know big part of the 1988 National Championship team. That's obviously where everyone remembers him from. And both uh, his head coach, Lou Holtz, and his defensive coordinator, Barry Alvarez, who went on to become yeah. a head coach and an athletic director at Wisconsin. They are uh, in the Hall of Fame as well. And a couple of teammates from that team, Rocket Ismail and Chris Zorich, also in the Hall of Fame, and a couple of his other teammates, Tim Brown and Aaron Taylor, also both in the Hall of Fame. So a lot of Hall of Famers, as you would expect from that era, Michael Stonebreaker becoming the latest. He joins Reggie Bush and Tim Tebow, probably the two most high-profile members of this class. Mark Richt, the uh, former Georgia and Miami coach, going in as well, but... uh, Tebow and Reggie Bush, Michael Stonebreaker, all in the same sentence. Yeah, those are the three that obviously stand out to me. And, and it's amazing. I was I heard somebody was rattling off the list of how many people were in this group of Hall of Famers in this class. It's amazing how many they put in every year. I mean, I and they used to obviously the I've always said Hall, that College Football Hall of Fame used to be in South Bend. And mm-hmm. I know you used to be a big part of the induction ceremony and all of these different things. The, the sheer volume every year. I mean, it's not a new thing. It's not like they just did it this year, but you're absolutely right. Every year, the number of people that they put in, it's like, can we make this a little bit more elite? Like, I, I don't know. That's just how I feel. Right. And it's, and it's like guys like Stonebreaker, for example, and this is nothing against him, obviously, but the guys 
you know, he hasn't been playing college football for what, 30 some years now at this point. And all of a sudden here he comes and he gets into the <laughs> hall of fame. I mean, Reggie Bush, it took him eight years of eligibility That's to true. get in. And one know, of the best college football like, players of all time. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. And it's just, you're right though. The number of guys that they put in, it just seems like overkill. So, and I, I do get like, for example, I, I want to say they waited on like Joe Montana, for example, until he got out of the NFL so that he could attend the well, ceremony. But this is a thing, though, too. Like when you talk about how many people they have in these classes and, and you know, like I remember when Emmett Smith and Troy Aikman yeah. and and, you know, like Jerry Rice and Steve Young, you know, all those guys came through here back when, you know, like when, when the Hall of Fame was still here and they were already in the Pro Football Hall of Fame by the time. <laughs> They got to the college football <laughs> hall of fame. I didn't realize that. Yeah. They were all pro football hall of famers already, you know, so got to expedite the process. Yeah. College football hall. It's not here anymore. So we don't have to deal with that, but no, no, nope. <laughs> down this... in Atlanta, I think. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. From what I understand, it's really nice. Like the, the, the hall of fame is really nice down there. They did. They really did it up to try to steal it away from South Bend, obviously they they didn't yeah. do that. I mean, I thought this one was pretty nice. It just I didn't really work out. Enjoyed it. I mean, yeah. you you and I did shows from there. Yeah, remember, and we would you know the the flag football game that they would do, and the, I thought it was really cool having the turf out front. You know, all I was the different uh, things, but I was uh, the, you know that you talk about the Hall of Fame, the the flag football game, and that was kind of my thing. I would MC the flag football game right. while the Hall of Famers were out there playing, and there was <laughs> one year where Joe Theismann was uh when when he was inducted and you know i grew up joe theisman was already playing for the washington redskins and i couldn't stand joe theisman because he played for the washington and that was my dad's team obviously and be being a cowboys fan so i was kind of like you know i'd give joe you know a little dig now and then over the microphone and he's out there he's like who is this guy (laughs) this is my moment your worst nightmare, Joe. I'm a Cowboys fan with a microphone. <laughs> but he's I out there like cool, doing man. drop kicks on the field and all that stuff. And, yeah. I always thought it was cool having that in town because, you know, people would – it became a destination. You know, you come to Notre Dame, you go to the College Football Hall of Fame. Like, it was right. a really cool thing to have around here. And South Bend just kind of dropped the ball on that one, really. Yeah. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, congratulations to Michael Stonebreaker yes. getting into the College Football Hall of Fame. That is that is awesome, really cool. of course, from that 1988 National Championship team. And uh, Salty, apparently, you know, he's up on his Michael Stonebreaker trivia. His dad, Stephen Salty, says played in the NFL. And, of course, Michael played for a few years. Career didn't last, I think, probably as long as a lot of people thought it would. But uh, he played and. I believe uh, Stone uh, Salty said his birthday is coming up here within the next week or so. So happy birthday too to Michael Stonebreaker. There you go. Well, the big topic of the day, of course, Sam Hartman. The the you know the news is pretty much subsided in terms of the transfer of Sam Hartman. But what we we're talking about today, what's the ceiling? What's the floor for Notre Dame now? Yeah, with Hartman presumably as Notre Dame's quarterback for next season. So, th- like. I, I think maybe we all probably, you know, started envisioning numbers in our heads or or sure. whatever. So sure. I'll, I'll let you kind of, 
I'll let you steer this the direction you want to go <laughs> oh, first. What do you careful. what do you what do you think about this? We were bouncing questions off each other, you know, ideas off each other this yeah. morning. So what do you what do you what do you think about this? Well, it's funny because you know, going into this year, you know, we we always we we kind of did our ceiling and our floor, right? Like where what do we think Notre Dame's record is going to be? What and it was more like what is the floor for our expectations? You know, where where are we going to be disappointed if they don't get to, you know, that sort of a thing. Going into this year, I said 10 and 2 is the floor. Like that is the absolute floor going into this year. And they ended up being nine and four, right? Uh eight, eight and four in the regular season. And obviously that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the regular season. Right. Eight and four is a disappointment. I don't think anybody's going to argue that, but the way some things went down, losing your starting quarterback, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We don't need to rehash last year. <laughs> I'm just making a well, I'm making a point that my floor is the same going into next year. But and and what I was going to say, like you talk about that, like, when, you know, we predict wins, right? You know, we try to predict what sure. the record is going to be going into the season. And you remember, I think Vegas had the over under set at eight and a half. And this is regular season right. win total. And we were all laughing and scoffing. Yes, it's we like, were. how do you come up with this eight and a half? Are you kidding me? You know, and well, let's just, you know, put it this way. I lost some money on that. Yeah, me too. So. Me too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a sucker bet. Sucker exactly. bet. Exactly. Maybe. Exactly. And if if and I don't care who you talk to. I mean, again, we're talking about last year, but if you if you look at the the games that Notre Dame won and the games that Notre Dame lost, I'm sorry, nobody would have predicted the way this one this win-loss record went down. You right. know, nobody nobody in their right mind would have predicted that Notre Dame loses to Marshall. Nobody would have predicted that Notre Dame loses to Stanford. Yes, people would have predicted they lost to Ohio State, USC. I get that. Nope, no, I get that, but not the other two. And that is where the 10 and 2 comes from, yep. right? I mean, and it, it, 9 and 3 at the worst and that's Clemson. You figure, okay, they maybe they lose to Clemson too. And then you're looking at 9 and 3. So, you know, that was the floor for last year and you look at next year's schedule, it shapes up a little bit differently, obviously. And we don't know the, the exact order that things right. are going to go. Because we know still, some, but not all. Yeah, there's a, there's a few TBAs in there. There's four TBAs in there. So, for example, they're not going to play Ohio State and USC back-to-back. There's going to be a game in there someplace because mm-hmm. there's two weekends in between. So even if they had a bye there, which I don't think that they will, I think they're going to fit two games in there personally, but they're not going to play Ohio State back-to-back. Right. So Ohio State and USC back to back. So, you know, that, you know, is important to understand. But it's still, you're, you know, you're going to start the season off with Navy, Tennessee State, Central Michigan. So you kind of have a chance to, I don't want to say ease your way into the schedule, but I like the way the schedule sets up. Yeah. I mean, you got Navy and Tennessee State as your right. first two games. And that's a guarantee because those are back to back. Right. And then you got Central Michigan, I think fairly early as well the 16th of September yeah and there there is a week between the Tennessee State and Central Michigan but I think there's a decent chance that they have a buy there but they could stick a game in there too I mean that's definitely possible I wouldn't be overly surprised since they do have a week zero game against Navy in in Dublin that they would have a buy at that point but you never know I mean you never know. I don't think they are. I think they said they're coming straight, you know, like it's going to be Navy through? and then they're coming back and playing Tennessee State. 
the next no, week. They're definitely doing that, but there's a game, there's a weekend. Oh, you're talking Tennessee about state and gotcha. central Michigan. Gotcha. So I, I think that will be a buy, but I, we'll see. I mean, like I yeah, said, I mean, gotta, you could see two buys because of the fact that they're playing yes. in week zero. There, right. most most likely there will be two buys because of the fact that they're playing week zero. At my and my my assumption is it'll be that week and then it'll be the week after the USC game, but could be the week before the USC game. We'll see. But they try right. to do it in the middle someplace, and that right. would make sense if it was well, after USC. But we'll see. And look, you know, like we look at the schedule, and obviously that's a big factor. But again, it's going to absolutely it, it should come down to three games. You know, like agreed. We thought it would this year. Obviously, two other games had bigger impact than we thought. Shockingly so. That but they yes. ever would. Yeah. No, yeah, no doubt. I mean, Clemson, USC, and Ohio State is, again, what it should come down to. And, like, you look at, at Hartman, it is, you know, because we're all, we're all talking about Hartman as an upgrade, obviously. Yeah, and, right. like, I was, you know, I was looking at, at uh, Anthony's floor. 11-1 and one is the floor. And that's Ooh, like, that man, high, if baby. that's your floor, you're setting your expectations pretty high pretty early right now, Anthony. Yes. I mean, I like your – that's more than optimism. You know, that's more than a little cockeyed optimism that you've got going there. <laughs> I like that. But – And um, I, I look, I, I I would love for that to be the case. I mean, but if we're talking about the worst that they can be and we're saying 10-2, and two, I think the worst they can be is 9-3. and three. Right. But for me, I think the floor is 10 and two, because I think if you take those three quote unquote tough games, right, the marquee games on their schedule, then go one and two in those games, then you're feeling pretty good about the way things go. They went one and two in those games this year and they ended up eight and four because of those other two outliers. Right. So I would love for them to go two and one in those games, you know, and then you could potentially be staring 11 and one in the face. Right. But 10 and two is the floor. No doubt for me, ten and two is the floor, and I, I think that's I my floor as well. And if you know, if you go be if if you go below that, you know, then then we're starting to look at you know because like to me the biggest question that Marcus Freeman has to answer at this point is are they past the Marshall and Stanford right. debacles? And that's Absolutely. what they were. They were debacles. You never should have lost those games. There's no excuse for losing those games, especially when you're fully capable of turning around a couple weeks after losing to Stanford and beating Clemson the way you did, and at least competing to an extent with USC and with Ohio state as well. There's just no excuse for losing them. You cannot lose, you know, Brian Kelly had that long run of all the wins against unranked teams. And that's how you get in playoff contention is you make Mm -hmm. sure you're taking care of business against the teams you're supposed to take care of business with week in and week out. And then, as we said, your season boils down to the two or three big games that right. you have on it. And that's that's the biggest question they have to answer. And again, I agree. if if they go beyond the two losses as, as the floor that you're talking about and that I agree with as well, then we've got bigger picture questions and concerns that we have to start asking and you know looking at more closely, especially when they're bringing in a guy like Hartman with all the experience that he has. Well, and I, and I think that, you, you know, you make a good point because if they have more than two losses, then you're talking about losing to a team that they shouldn't have lost to. And you can, quote unquote, explain away Stanford and Marshall to a very small degree, okay? Now, I, I think those losses are unacceptable. I think you probably would agree with me. Those are unacceptable losses, no matter mm-hmm. if it is your first year as a head coach, okay? But since it was his first year... There were some things, you know, you can it's explain it away to, to yeah. a degree. And, and it, you're right. 
people will give him a free pass. You can't do that two years in a row. Exactly. You can't, like, for example, you can't go out and lose to Central Michigan. You, you can't go out and lose to Tennessee State. Yeah. Frankly, you can't go or out Navy. and lose to Stanford again. Yeah. Okay? Like, you can't, these are games you cannot lose. Yeah, Navy, of course. Like, I mean, that's your first game of the season. Can you imagine, can you imagine the vitriol if they lose game one in Ireland to Navy, who has oh a brand new head coach? Yeah. Like, well, I agree with what Tyler was saying, Tyler Evans was saying earlier. Get the triple option done and over early sure. this year. Get it done right off the bat because that Love means it. they'll even be able to do some Navy prep in the spring, you know, if they want to. And, you know, obviously early in training camp and you know, they'll be so they'll be able to to kind of get some of that Navy prep started since that's going to be your first opponent and then like you said, it's like you don't have to pause down after you've played a traditional offense then go to Navy and then go back again to a traditional offense, you just boom, yeah. right off the bat, over and done with. Yeah. And they're going to have a new head coach too. Right. Exactly. I mean, you're, you're, there's going to be a few first year head coaches, if I'm not mistaken, you know, you've got Navy's going to be a first year head coach. You're going to have Stanford is going to be a first year head coach. Louisville right. is going to be a first year head coach. Right. So, I mean, and then there's going to be a ton and it's college football. Of course, there's going to be a ton of new quarterbacks, ton of new guys in, in vital positions. That you're, I mean, obviously Ohio State's going to have a brand new quarterback. Wake Forest is going to have a new quarterback. Clemson's going to have a new quarterback than when Notre Dame faced them, right? Stanford is going to have Tanner McKee, I believe, back. I believe he decided to stay at Stanford, so that's going to be interesting. But Louisville's going to have a new quarterback because they took the guy from Purdue. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's going to be a lot. Pitt's going to have a new quarterback. We know who that's going to be. Right. You know, so – there's going to be a lot of changes. NC State's going to have a new quarterback. Did you already say that? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Brennan Armstrong, State, he, the so. Virginia guy, right. transferred there. That's so. right. I, I didn't even realize that. So yep. you're you're going to have a, a, a lot of new faces that you are going to be facing, and that means the teams are going to look a little bit different, you know, than than you're used to. So there's a lot of question marks, obviously, going into the season. I mean, it's January 9th, and we're talking about next year, but I still back up my thoughts thinking that they're going to be the floor is 10 and two. Now I could put a very convincing argument together. that Notre Dame can go 12 and oh, right. But after going through the season that we just did, there's no way that I would say that that's going to happen, but that's the ceiling. I mean, that, that, that is absolutely the ceiling of this thing. If the floor is 10 and two, the ceiling's 12 and oh, and I don't think that that is being, hyperbolic i don't think that that's being rose-colored glasses that's the ceiling that's the best that you could do and i think that that's a legitimate argument i mean they they played ohio state about as close as you can play them and still lose right and they're gonna have a brand new quarterback you know usc is gonna be usc yes they're gonna have caleb williams back and that's gonna be tough there's no doubt about it but you get them at home you have now have a chance that you've seen lincoln riley's team I don't think that they're going to lay an egg the way that they did in the run game against USC again, but you never know. Clemson's going to have a bunch of new faces. So, I mean, there's, if we're just talking about those higher level teams, I think Notre Dame has a, a chance to beat all three of them. Do I right. think that they will? That's well, a that's a different conversation. And it's interesting. I went, I went and looked at Sam Hartman and his time at, uh, at Wake Forest. He was three and eight against Wake Forest or a, against ranked teams at okay. Wake Forest. All right. So, you know, not a great record, but sure. at the same time, you got to remember he had to play Clemson every year. And 
like this year, you know, one of those losses to ranked teams, a double overtime loss to Clemson. So they're playing Clemson every year. What's interesting, even though he didn't have a great record against ranked teams, by my count, he was 23-9 and nine against unranked teams. So, again, it's like took care of business. Now, it's a, again, it's like apples to oranges, just like when you talk about, well, here were all of Sam Hartman's numbers when he was Wake Forest. Completely different system. Right. I get that. It's and, apples to oranges. But and it's a completely different talent level that he's playing with as well. The, he's he's going to have a lot more around him here at Notre Dame. So he's already fared well, and against ranked teams – uh, this year, 14 touchdowns and four interceptions total that he had against the ranked teams, and he averaged 322 passing yards. So he, you know, even though his team did not necessarily end up winning those games, you know, he can't control what the defense is doing. There were a lot of points scored, sure, and he fared pretty well against the ranked teams on the schedule. No, I agree completely. I mean, you, you can – you need to look at Sam Hartman in a vacuum, right? I mean, you can't necessarily just look at stats because you'd have to go through every game that he's played. You got to look at drops. You got to look at obviously interceptions that, that he threw or were thrown because of extenuating circumstances. You've got to look at, you know, he's never, he, he has never played behind an offensive line. That's going to be as good as the one that he's going to play behind next year, no matter what happens, no matter who the guards are, you know, It'll be the best offensive line he's ever played behind. Mm -hmm. I, I think we can all agree on that. He's going to have the best talent around him behind him and to the side of him that he's ever played with, top to bottom. Okay? I know the the, the one kid who decided to go to the NFL is a pretty good receiver, uh, but top to bottom, running back, wide receivers, tight end, he's got the best talent around him he's ever had. Yeah. And on top of that, he's going to have the best defense that he's ever had Exactly. Well. And exactly. Again, and there's, there's still questions, and we've got some questions about absolutely. that. Absolutely, we'll here in a second. You and I are not debating that there's questions about the defense. There are. That's why you go into the offseason. That's why they went to the transfer portal for a safety. That's why they they're doing different things to shore up the defense. We, and everybody's obsessed with the young guns. So, no matter what they do defensively, there's still going to be a better defense than Wake Forest has ever put on the field. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think that's all that debatable, right? right. So. No matter what you think of Sam Hartman, he's he has prospered at Wake Forest with a gimmicky offense, with a decent defense at times, in pretty much the same league that Notre Dame plays against, and he's had that kind of success. You pluck him out of that, you put him at Notre Dame, he's going to have more success than he had at Wake Forest. That's just common sense. Now, right. what kind of success is that? We'll have to wait and see, but I still think the floor is 10-2. and two. Yeah, I agree. The, and J, or Matthew Jacobs says the floor is no lower than how we finished this season. It's as high oh my gosh. as the Natty appearance. And, you know, again, if the floor ends up what the floor was this year, <laughs> it's going to be, you know, again, you can gloss some of that over this season with quarterback situation, and first-year head coach and all those different things. But now you've got year two of the head coach. You finish the season on a positive note. You've got a very high percentage of returning players from this season. I don't know what the actual percentage is, you know, in terms of starters, but it's got to be around what, like 90 or so plus percent, I would think, when you go across the board. 
and our, our whole the, for Notre Dame's whole team, like offense. Yeah, defense, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The whole I mean, team. Off, offense, you're losing. You're tight losing end. Lindsay, you know, if you and, and okay, wide receiver. That's yeah. it. Oh, and two guards. Yeah. So four. Look, and again, this is not a knock on Mayor, but I just think that the offense is going to function better. It's going to be a more fully functional offense next year. Agreed. When you when you don't have that safety net and a quarterback who wants to lock in, you like go straight to that. You know, it's like it's like check down, check down. You know, like right. that's not that's not what you need to see. And I, it's going to open up so much more of the offense Agreed. when when you don't have safeties creeping down on the line of scrimmage all the time. And they actually have to, you know, like having the ball thrown over their head is a legitimate thing. You know, it's just. Absolutely. No, I completely agree with you on that. I mean, we saw, we saw it in the Gator Bowl, right? I mean, they didn't have Michael Mayer to be that consummate check down guy, that consummate uh, security blanket. And they spread the ball around and threw the ball for a bunch of yards and ran the ball for a bunch of yards and multiple guys had catches. I mean, it was a much more balanced offense than it was when Michael Mayer was there. Now, you never want to take a player like Michael Mayer off the team. I always will want Michael Mayer on the team if I have that option. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, it still forces you now to spread the ball around and do some things and make you more balanced. That's just the nature of the beast, which is fantastic. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what Derek says. He won't accept my dirty ten and two floor. That's what like, salty peanuts is saying. I guess that's that's oh. his the salt and the peanuts there. Ah, uh, so salty peanuts. Oh, salty peanuts. Oh, I got gotcha. you. I gotcha. yeah. He, I think salty peanuts earlier said uh, the the yeah ceiling is thirteen and thirteen and zero on a twelve game schedule. That's. That's that's salty peanuts. That's well, and I mean, I think that that's got to be the ceiling, right? I think we feel like sure there is at least the potential that this team, you know, even with even with a tough schedule, because w- when you do, and I, and I saw this mentioned, you know, like I think we mentioned it last week, and it's been mentioned in the chat here already. The fact Ohio State, even though he'll have, he'll have a couple games under his belt by then, but they'll have a new quarterback and. Mm-hmm. You know, again, like when you when you run down the checklist, Notre Dame is going to have the most experienced quarterback on the schedule all season long, like even more so than than Brennan Armstrong and Caleb Williams and and all of these guys. Mm-hmm. You're going to have the most experience. You're you're always you're never going to lose the experience factor with Hartman. Obviously, you know injuries do happen, and if that happens, then that you know can change the story. But as long as he's the quarterback. You're never gonna, have, you know, experience is never gonna be a thing, and that and that means more earlier in the season when Ohio State's starting quarterback is still trying to figure out who he is and maybe is a little bit more exploitable. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I, you know, people are talking about the. <laughs> I, I, look, th- this is not a terrible point, Larry, and I want to bring it up. Wake and Hartman lost to Clemson, Duke, uh, North Carolina State. And Louisville in 2022, Notre Dame plays all four on the road this year. It's a great point. No doubt about it. But the difference is Hartman's not bringing Wake Forest to Notre Dame and just putting Notre Dame jerseys on them. We're bringing Sam Hartman surrounded by Notre Dame players. Notre Dame hasn't lost to Clemson at home. And and they play him on the road. And Hartman actually had one of his best games against Clemson. He threw six touchdown passes against Clemson. When was the last time Notre Dame lost to Duke? You know, 
The last time they lost to North Carolina State was in a monsoon, I believe. Well, look, you know, everyone's you know, on Mike Elko about the job that he did this year, and it's it's Duke football, and he did a very respectable sure, job. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, kudos to him for doing what he did. But Kansas still beat Duke this year. Right. Early in the season. <laughs> you know, and Kansas ended up being a 500 team when it sure. was all said and done. So, you know, basically same – Really, you know, like when you look at them, the same profile for both of you know basketball schools who had turnaround football seasons, and Kansas won the head-to-head between the two. So like you know, it. it's like I'm not I'm, I'm not like shaking in my boots because <laughs> Sam Hartman's got to go play right. Duke next year, right? And and North Carolina State and Louisville and Duke, like if those three teams worry you about being on the road. I don't know what to tell you. The, the, those three teams should not scare you for Notre Dame to go on the road to Duke, North Carolina State, and Louisville. I mean, that, that shouldn't scare you. Now, the hardest game they're going to have to play on the road, Clemson. No doubt about it. It's going to be a hostile environment. No doubt about it. But that's November 4th. And, and your quarterback has also played are. there multiple times. Right. The most important, you yes. know, again, like even though the like the win and the, the, the most overrated thing is wins and losses by quarterbacks, even though I just rattled off wins and loss records. But, I mean, everybody does it, right? I mean, it's it's why, you know, Ian Book became the program's all-time winningest quarterback, even though how much of it was actually about Ian Book and how much of it was just because right. he had a good defense, a college football playoff caliber defense, as well as a great offensive line and, right. and you know, a lot of other talent all around him that he was able to use. And I think that it's that much more so with Sam Hartman. No, the defense maybe is a a bit more of a question right now than like what book had back then in 2018 and 2020. But at the same time, again, like he's going to have a good offensive line. He's going to have great running backs. He's got receivers who are improving, Uh, you know, the, and even like Mitchell Evans, it, huh. I think you pointed out last week had a good Gator Bowl. You know, here's yep. a guy who's who's battled some injuries and stuff like that. So nobody expects Mitchell Evans to be Michael Mayer, but if if you've got all those other skill guys around him and you're able to stretch the field with the receivers and with the quarterback's arm in ways that you haven't been able to do in a long time, then you can Mitchell Mitchell Evans and Eli Raritan and Holden Stays and whoever's at, at tight end become just that much more effective with the intermediate stuff. And they're going to be those tight ends. Look, there's going to be plenty of teams in the country that would love to have Notre Dame's tight ends. With without Michael Mayer being in the room, Notre Dame has some pretty good tight ends. They're not Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer is a once a, he's a generational tight end. I think we can all agree on that. But there's going to be a lot of talent in that tight end room, and those guys are going to be good for tight end. They're not going to be the offense, right? Right. And, and that's, so anybody that's, that, that's the most important part, right, right there. And anybody that expects that. You know, you're fooling yourself. I mean, there's only so many Michael Mayers out there, right? And so the tight end is still going to be very good at Notre Dame. But I also think, and Brian made this point the other day when we were talking, you're not going to see as much 12 and 13 personnel moving forward. You didn't see a whole lot of it in the Gator Bowl. You would hope not. You know what I mean? And and I think you're going to see a lot more 21 then you will see 12. Mm-hmm. Same ideas. Because the running concepts. back room is, is expanding with even Absolutely. more talent. <laughs> yes. I mean, like I said, you can run the same concepts, the same stuff with a different personnel group, but you're going to be that much more explosive mm-hmm. having 
Audric Estime and Chris Tyree on the field at the same time, as opposed to tight ends. It, you just, you just do. I mean, it, it, that's just football. So you're not going to be as reliant on the tight end, but you're still going to have a lot of production from the tight end. You know, it, and what, I, what I mean by production is he's going to block. Well, he's going to do what he needs to do to be a good tight end. You're not going to get Michael Mayer offensive production, right? Don't expect that. That's not going to happen. Right. But you're still going to get a lot of offensive production and the, and the tight end is going to be a part of that. Mitchell Evans will be just fine as the number one tight end. If that's the way it ends up being. So, right. Look, this offense is exciting. There, there's a lot to be excited about with this offense. Again, eight true sophomores started in the Gator Bowl. Eight. Okay. That's exciting. You're going to replace one of those true sophomores with a kid who has a bunch of ACC quarterback records, if that's how it ends up going at the quarterback position. So, yeah. you know, people should be excited about where this team can go, and it's okay to get excited in January. It's okay. Thanks for reassuring us. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew wants to know our thoughts on the lack of recruiting development portal results on the defensive line. You know, again, like that's going to be, that'll be one of the bigger questions, I think, sure. going into the season is well, yeah. the defensive line. I, and I agree. That's the biggest question mark going in. And, you know, it's funny. Everybody wants Mike Elston back, you know, for all the things that he did for the defensive line. Everybody on this team right now, Mike Elston recruited. So all those guys that we don't know a whole lot about that haven't really shown themselves, Mike Elston recruited those guys. So let's see what he can, let's see what they can do. I like I don't want to go off crowning Mike Elston. These are these are his kids. Now they still got to be coached and they still got to be you know they have they have to be brought up and they have to be coached properly. I get all of that. That's all legitimate. But recruiting. You know, th those that hasn't hurt us yet on the defensive line, right? That ha that has not, you know, come through yet. All the guys that they're counting on playing are all Mike Elson recruits. Yeah, I mean, see, see, now you're now, now you know the argument that I was making about you know new defensive line coach versus guys that the old guy recruited. Nobody wanted to hear that last week, including you. And now you're falling back on that. So oh, am I? I, I don't know where your team has changed me the best here. When I wake up, all right? That's that's how it works for me. But I, I, no, I but I say, understand what you're saying. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is what I think what would reassure everybody with this with the defensive line right now is if they could go out and land somebody, especially probably an interior defensive lineman who can come in and at least be, you know, Chris Smith or maybe a little bit more than Chris Smith next year. You know, that's sure. Absolutely. That's the biggest area right now. Now, but again, there are some young guys who haven't got their like, and we started to kind of hear some names as the season went on. And that's hopefully we get to see some of that during the spring and say, Oh, right. okay. Right. There's something going on there. Okay. Let's, right. let's kind of hold off and wait and see a little bit, but it will at least be reassuring to at the very least grab some depth and experience if they could get somebody in the portal here. No doubt about it. I, I mean, I, I still think that that's an area of need in the portal. I think that they, you know, we'd be fooling ourselves if we didn't say that that was the case. But I will also say that there is a bunch of talent that everybody was really excited about at one point or another that is still on this roster on the defensive line, right? I mean, you've got, you know, can any of those guys step up and be the guy? I don't know, you know, especially, you know, up the middle. You, you've you got 
guys with Aiden Kiana Ana is 6'3", 323 pounds. Gabriel Rubio, 6'5 and a quarter, 300 pounds. Like, if those guys can step up, you know, Tyson Ford, 6'4", 280. Those guys can step up, be some beef in the middle. You're going to feel a lot better about things. I mean, Riley Mills, 6'5 and an eighth, 292 pounds. You've got some size in there that you want to be able to utilize, but can those guys step up and be guys that you can count on? We don't know yet. They, they've been piecemealed in there a little bit here and there. We haven't really seen much from Kiana Ana. We haven't seen much from Rubio. We haven't seen much from Tyson Ford. I think Riley Mills was playing all over the place and they didn't really find a home for him just yet. So, I mean, there is talent there and that's what college football is all about. You can't just go to the portal all the time. You know, yes, I would love for them to bring in some depth, specifically at the defensive tackle position, but that's not always going to happen. You also don't want to hold guys back by by bringing in yes. maybe just a depth piece. You know, again, Correct. like maybe they've seen something from some of these guys and they're more reassured than what we've been able to see because once the season starts, we don't get to see practices. And they had those, you know, all those practices early in bowl prep or some of these young guys kind of you know, got to get out there a little bit. So there, there's still a lot. I mean, it's it's an unanswered question, but it's definitely one that's that's a high priority when you look at it, at it a team be. that needs to get better, you know, up front. Right. And they they need to recruit better. I I mean, they absolutely do. I mean, they, there's there's things that they need to do, which I think they still can do, but I think there is talent on this roster that can get them where they need to go as well. Yeah. And that mythical 350 pound guy defensive tackle isn't out there to be had. I mean, that, that guy doesn't exist in the portal. You got to recruit that guy, you know, because if they did, they'd probably get a lot of cash thrown at him to go to whatever school. So, <laughs> but it's that. also frustrating that Jacob Lacey, you know, up and leaves in the middle sure. of the season and everyone's crowing down in Oklahoma about, oh, we got Jacob Lacey. Right. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. It's the guy you had and you let him go, you know, yeah. for whatever reason that was. You let him get away, yep. you know? So, yeah, that, it's very disappointing. So, Brent wants to know, thoughts on Jabron Payne? He had an injury-filled high school career, didn't he? I can see J.D. Price and J. Love surpassing him. What say you? I mean, this is a guy who looked like a nice physical specimen, you know, what we were able to yeah. see of him during fall training camp. He seemed like he was doing some nice things. I do – he's a guy that who I, who I also wonder – where he fits in, especially this year when you still have Chris Tyree around for that matter. Sure. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, Jabron Payne was a guy, if I'm not mistaken, that they were talking about in the preseason getting some significant time in the backfield. And that's hard to believe after we've gone through the entire season and we saw what Logan Diggs did and Estime and Tyree you know, where was that fourth back going to get? Whose carries is he stealing? But he was running with the first team during fall camp before he got hurt. So I don't see him getting passed up anytime soon as long as he comes back healthy from his injury. He he was in a good place when he got hurt. And the coaches aren't going to forget that. But it's also going to be some fancy footwork by the Notre Dame staff and, and Dylan McCullough to figure out how to keep all these running backs happy because there's a lot of talent in that room and there's a lot of guys that you need to feed. And it's going to be very, very difficult to keep all of those guys happy. There's only one football to go around. It's like 
You've got five point guards. I mean, I, you know, how are you, how are you going to get the ball to all of them? You know, yeah. I mean, that that's a legitimate concern. I, I would not be surprised to see somebody at some point transfer out, Yeah, you know, DKF, but I don't know who that's going to be. Decaf 18 asked if uh, Payne transferred from IU. He didn't transfer from IU. He decommitted from IU. He followed McCullough up here. Right. Basically. So there's right. He got out of his letter of intent, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he was never on the team. He signed his letter of intent, but they let him out of it. Right. I believe, if I remember correctly. That sounds right. That sounds right. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.